Hello everyone. You are listening to the Creative Biolabs podcast, we provide reliable exosome-related services and products to clients around the world. Our services cover all aspects of exosome isolation and purification, identification, antibody and engineering. Dear friends in the audience, welcome to our podcast series on time every Saturday night, I am Connie. Today, we have our old friend Dr. Hofstadter to explore more interesting knowledge about exosomes. Welcome, Dr. Hofstadter. Thank you Connie, and good evening dear friends in the audience. It is quite nice to see you again. So, let's first look back on the content of the previous episode. We discussed that tumor-derived exosomes express molecules involved in promoting angiogenesis, matrix remodeling, activation of signaling pathways via growth factor and receptor transfer, chemoresistance, and genetic intercellular exchange. Tumor exosomes induce a pro-inflammatory environment from macrophages due to the expression of exosomal fibronectin. These effects determine that exosomes can represent central mediators in the tumor-supporting microenvironment. Undoubtedly, exosomes play an important role in intercellular communication, and under normal conditions, this communication mediates the activation of immune responses. In contrast, exosomes in cancer induce apoptosis of activated cytotoxic T-cells, impair monocyte differentiation, induce myelosuppressive and T-regulatory cells, and inhibit lymphatic activation signaling molecules. As we all know, one of the major obstacles to cancer immunotherapy is tumor escape from the host immune system. And we've briefly discussed the immune regulation of T-cells and natural killer cells by tumor-derived exosomes. Today, Dr. Hofstadter will explain more details about it. Where do we start, Dr. Hofstadter? Thanks Connie, you made a great summary. And I'd like to add some necessary background. Human tumors develop the ability to downregulate immune cell function, especially that of anti-tumor effector cells. Immune cells, including T lymphocytes, NK cells, and dendritic cells, become dysfunctional and prone to apoptosis due to the suppression of tumor drivers. Several years ago, it has been observed that serum from cancer patients can inhibit the function of normally activated T cells after a short latency period. This inhibitory effect of cancer patient serum was ultimately attributed to fractions containing small membrane vesicles ranging in size from 50 to 100 nanometers. These vesicles, identified as exosomes, by transmission electron microscopy, had one striking feature. They concentrate molecules that are characteristic components of tumor cell surface membranes. So, if I get it right, you're talking about the context in which tumor-derived exosomes were discovered. It is well known that they begin with the biogenesis of multivesicular bodies formed by the fusion of endosomes. Can you help us review the process? Sure. Exosomes are generated by the inward budding of the multivesicular body membrane. And during invagination, they surround some of the cellular endoplasm, including various endoplasmic components. After the fusion of multivesicular bodies with the cell membrane, Exosomes are released into the extracellular space as double membrane vesicles, through an ATP-dependent process. As a result, exosomes are present in all body fluids. 
You know, exosomes that are most widely studied in humans originate from the peripheral circulation. In particular, sera from cancer patients are enriched in tumor-derived exosomes that adversely affect immune system cells. Do you know any evidence that suggests their role in mediating tumor-induced immunosuppression? Yeah, actually, various types of T-cell and NK-cell dysfunction have been described in cancer patients, especially in patients with advanced malignancies. I mean, current evidence suggests that tumor-derived exosomes represent one of the mechanisms that tumors use to subvert the host immune system, including the anti-tumor activity of T-cells and NK-cells. As you said, exosomes are released by all cells. So, the serum of cancer patients should contain exosomes derived from both tumor cells and other normal cells. What are the obvious differences between them? Great point. Tumor cells release exosomes in greater quantities than non-cancer cells, and tumor-derived exosome molecular profiles differ from other exosomes. For example, exosomes from antigen-presenting cells are enriched in MHC class 1 and 2 molecules, costimulatory molecules, and ICM1, while tumor-derived exosomes, you know, concentrate death receptor ligands, such as FASL or TNF-related apoptosis-inducing ligands. Moreover, dendritic cell-derived exosomes carry peptide-loaded MHC class 1 molecules and can stimulate CD8 plus T-cell response while FASL-enriched tumor-derived exosomes induce apoptosis in CD95 plus T-cells. Nonetheless, the tumor-derived exosome also concentrates tumor antigens and is taken up by dendritic cells. Dendritic cells process these tumor antigens, and present tumor antigen-derived peptides complexed with MHC molecules to form cognate T-cells. This helps generate tumor antigen-specific T-cells. Sounds complicated. Then, among these different biological functions caused by molecular composition differences, which one is the most interesting for scientists? I think maybe the biological ability of tumor-derived exosomes to induce and suppress T-cell responses. You know, it appears that the molecular content of exosomes is not random, but rather reflects a selective sorting process in the cell of origin. So, in this regard, the possibility that the classification of tumor-derived exosome components in maternal tumor cells can define target cell specificity is of great interest. Since exosome release appears to be an important feature of lymphoid intercellular communication, whether and how tumor-derived exosomes are targeted remains a fascinating issue. I see. Maybe we can go further with the experimental techniques and manipulations used for obtaining tumor-derived exosomes from serum or other body fluids of cancer patients. Of course. Most researchers tend to use a two-step procedure involving size exclusion chromatography on a column of Sephiros 2B, followed by ultracentrifugation to exclude fractions for two hours to obtain particulate exosomes. The protein and lipid content of tumor-derived exosomes isolated from patient serum or tumor cell supernatant can be determined in Western blots using the methods we have discussed previously, or by more sophisticated mass spectrometry techniques. Indeed, high-throughput proteomic analysis, in my view, has greatly facilitated the definition of molecular profiles of purified exosomes. 
What is the purpose of investigating the protein and lipid composition of exosomes with different cellular origins? Well, it's important. You know, by investigating the protein and lipid composition of exosomes with different cell origins, we can conclude that in addition to the common molecular features of most exosomes, those derived from different cell types also contain and concentrate a group of unique or characteristic molecules for each type of parent cell. What I am saying is, the biochemical components of tumor-derived exosomes are similar to the tumor cells from which they are derived. Based on that, a general pattern of molecular profiles of tumor-derived exosomes has been summarized and showed that they carry tumor-associated antigens, growth factor receptors, death receptor ligands, MHC molecules, and common components of all exosomes, such as tetraspanins. That makes sense. I think we could call it an end here. Thank you Dr. Hofstadter. Thanks for your wonderful science popularization. And thank you all for listening. In the next episode, we will learn about the role of these molecules in the immunostimulatory or suppressive properties of exosomes. See you next time.